From MPP Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. With the below freezing temperatures and unusual snowfall in the state, today we'll highlight a few indoor opportunities where you can still enjoy nature and hopefully learn and become inspired about the environment. We'll talk about the upcoming Family Science Night at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science with Special Events Coordinator at the museum, Nicole Smith. Also, we'll highlight other events that will get you off the couch and closer with nature. You can always join in our conversation with a phone call. The number is one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Or email the show, animals at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. With the below freezing temperatures and unusual snowfall in the state, today... We'll highlight a few indoor opportunities where you can still enjoy nature and hopefully learn and become inspired about the environment. We'll talk about the upcoming Family Science Night at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science with Special Events Coordinator at the museum, Nicole Smith. Also, we'll highlight other events that will get you off the couch and closer with nature. You can always join our conversation this morning by giving us a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464, or you can email the show, animals at mpbonline.org. And always a reminder that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursdays, it does repeat Saturday mornings at 6. And if you listen to the rebroadcast on Saturday mornings, unfortunately can't make a phone call, but you can always email us. And in fact, Libby, uh, we got an email from someone who was listening uh, to our, one of our recent Saturday broadcasts when we were talking about eagles. Yeah, and Frank just sent a great picture from Browning Creek Lake uh, near Startville of a a big group of eagles. It's a good picture, and thanks, Frank. I appreciate it. Yeah, we were talking about how they sometimes uh, gather around there, and that there's, what, probably six or seven of them in that picture there. It's a very yeah. interesting yeah, uh, photo. Yeah, Bruce Reed was on last week, we were encouraging people to find places to go out. Look, and that's another thing. You might have to get outdoors, but you can sit in your car a lot of times and watch <laughs> the eagles, so it's it's pretty much fun. And um, lakes close to the big rivers are the places where you're more likely to find them, and they'll be fishing. And uh, although Dr. Major's still out, uh, we always will remind you that, uh, obviously, in this cold weather, think about your pets. Uh, if you have a, a pet that's uh, primarily outdoors, make sure that they have a nice warm place to come in out of the cold. Because to me, uh, you know, the cold temperatures have been bad enough. But I know when I took my walk at the park in Pearl, as I do each afternoon, the other day, it really was the wind that was getting me. It was really, it's really biting. And you can see, you know, on your skin how much it, it, uh, it how cold it is and how much it bothers you. So you can imagine uh, our pets are the same way. So uh, make sure that uh, they have a, a uh, you know, a dry, warm place to get to uh, and uh, access, uh, obviously, to some water as well. And I think in, in the past we've made a suggestion is if you could temporarily maybe make your garage a haven for your pets during this cold weather, that would be helpful. But uh, want to make sure you, you think about them uh, in this cold weather, although the good news is, I think, across the state, uh, temperatures on the rise uh, and to expect it to be almost near 70 on Sunday. So uh, this crazy weather pattern continues, and I guess, you know, just... 
ride with it and enjoy it the best you can, I would suppose. You know, I've noticed when mine come in with me, they drink more water mm-hmm. instead of less, I guess, because actually when they're coming in, they're in that electric heat, so it's not a humid environment. But yeah, And if the water's been water. frozen, they may not have been getting as much water yeah. outside. Yeah. You know, I've been making sure my bird bath has, you know, I, I've changed the water a couple times a day. Like, I'll go back at lunch and change that out just to make sure they have access to something and, they can And sometimes drink. even then you can't. I can't keep my bird bath. Like this this morning... When it was 17 degrees on my porch, yeah, <laughs> the, the poor birds, boy, they were eating like crazy. But they must be – we've got a pond that's not frozen over. It's got ice floating in it. But So I'm sure that's where the birds are drinking. Yeah, I know, again, the uh, it's Bright Park in Pearl where I walk. And I know I – th- I think one of maybe a, a local gardening group or something in the last year or so installed – a fountain in the center of the park, so it's very aesthetically pleasing. But I've noticed that it does at least keep parts of the pond, uh, fr- uh, you know, ice-free. Uh, so that might be a help. And uh, and I, it was interesting to me is there's several ducks and geese in there, and they were, you know, in in the water. And I'm just, it's you know, I mean, that's part of their their nature, or whatever. But it's like, all right, fellas, you can go in there. I, I certainly will stay out here where it's cold enough. So. Yeah, ducks are are, are well <laughs> adapted to the cold, but still, you gotta. One of our biologists saw um, one of the alligator, an alligator who I think it's called bromating or brumating, where the the nose is just stuck out of the water and the ice is mm-hmm. frozen around them, so they're adapted to hmm. handle that extreme cold. It's, a, it's it's sort of fascinating to observe. The other strange thing I saw it was a human, actually a young boy, who was wearing shorts the other day at the park, and I thought, well. You're you're either a braver or, or a dumber guy than I am. Is but, that an uh, argument with his mother, do you think? Could be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Libby, uh, have you heard anything about any of the winter bird counts? I know that's something that we've been talking about uh, the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I wish you hadn't mentioned that. No, it's just <laughs> our numbers were, were down, mm-hmm. significantly down. Um, uh, the local, Mary Stevens, I don't think she'll mind me calling her name, she... Uh, collates the numbers for all the Jackson area, and she sent out her reports the last few days, and the numbers were very much down. But we were all we were all freezing, and the birds were cold, and uh, it was hard. Part of the problem was we didn't have as many volunteers. You know, we could sit here on the radio and ask for volunteers all we wanted, but on that really cold couple of mornings, mm-hmm. it was hard to get people out. So we had many fewer eyes looking and ears listening and that made a difference so we did have a low count but it's all part of the data and um it'll i guess that that'll all be reflected Mm -hmm. and i think that you know again we when we talked about those it's they're really looking for long-term trends and so you know i guess the cold weather uh that 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 plays a a a role in it as well so um, yeah when we were on our count we got uh wonderful looks at osprey so that was fun that was worth doing and eagles but um I, i think it was harder to find little things because mm-hmm. we weren't we weren't going to be outside the car for too very long at a time. Uh, if you're listening and you participated in a winter bird count in Mississippi and want to share your experiences, you can give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. And again, you can always email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Yeah, and Larry, that's been on our show from the Hattiesburg area, I would like to hear from him and see see how much success they had. All right. 
Uh, we welcome our guest today, Nicole Smith. She's the Educator and Special Events Coordinator at the Museum of Natural Science. Nicole, good to see you again. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back. So we're going to be talking about a couple events uh, coming up at the Museum of uh, Natural Science. The first one that we want to talk about is Family Science Night, and it is tonight. Tonight. Not to be uh, daunted by the weather. We want you to come on out. We're doing science indoors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we've got a wonderful uh, roster of exhibitors that are going to be lined up for the evening. So if you've got an elementary or middle school child that is curious about science, or if you're a parent and you're thinking, how do I support my child's interest? That was just something that I didn't relate to as a child, but my kid is into it. How do I support them? This is the time and the place to come out. So we're going to have all sorts of things to do. We're making slime, which is going (laughs) to, which, you know, how awesome is that <laughs> and uh our our slime is making is the introduction to polymer science so we're gonna like get a little messy and learn a little science have a good time with that uh we're also going to have a heinz community college is coming down doing liquid nitrogen demonstrations and boy you think it's cold outside now mm-hmm. liquid nitrogen will <laughs> redefine your concept of cold uh, and that's going to be fun. They're going to be freezing marshmallows and then letting kids eat the marshmallows and have dragon breath. That's what oh, we're wow. calling it. The oh, dragon breath. you can do that. Oh, I'm coming. Yeah. It's going to be so much <laughs> okay. fun. Um, I don't even like marshmallows, but I'm going to eat those. <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, so we're pretty excited about that. And uh, and Northwest Rankin has a a group of students that are coming. I'm so excited about this. They are doing circuits. They're building circuits, making connections, and even turning them into cards. So like maybe Valentine's Day cards or things like that. So you can create your own light-up card. They're going to do um, the science behind circuit creation. It's going to be so very interesting to like have this little bit of electronics. So it's not just a natural science museum. That, that is obviously our key focus. We're doing some chemical sciences. We're doing some physical sciences. We're getting kids messy where possible because that's how learning happens in my head. <laughs> and uh, bless Bessie Ruse, the food truck. They're, they're coming out in the cold, and they're going to sell uh, food to people that need something to eat because of the time frame. It's, you know, 6 to 8. So, you you know, you got probably got some hungry kids, so you can get some food and then come inside and eat and, you know, warm up. So you mentioned that group from uh, Northwest Rankin. That's interesting to me that so because I mean, a lot of times I think maybe we think, well, they're adult presenters, but it's good to see that uh, kids, uh, you know, uh, school kids getting involved because I think maybe they can relate to those elementary school and, and middle school kids in a different way than maybe an adult could. Yeah, absolutely. We try to have a nice mix of uh, professional educators and a mix of children that are really pursuing something uh, with a mentorship uh, relationship with their teachers and also with, you know, fellow students. So we have several student presenters, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, The other uh, one I'm really kind of, I mean, all of our exhibitors are great, but another one I'm really excited about is First Robotics is coming out. And so we're going to have robots in like 12-foot by 12-foot enclosures that are... um, 
having different challenges to be met. So they give you a challenge with your robot and you have to achieve it. So that it's it's kind of cool. <laughs> so All now right. why are they in these enclosures? Do we not want the robots loose? <laughs> the glorious robot revolution is yeah, about to happen. I was wondering about that. Skynet, self-aware. Um, <laughs> They've advanced far enough that we need to confine them. <laughs> well, it's just that they t- take up a big footprint. And so they need room oh, to yeah. move. And, uh, it's and, to keep the people back. Is that right? <laughs> it's to protect them from the people. Okay. <laughs> uh, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue visiting with our guest today. It's Nicole Smith, who is the uh, Special Events Coordinator at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Uh, uh, we're looking also, always as we do each Thursday, for any wildlife questions and observations you have. Uh, maybe if you've been to the museum, tell us what you like about going to the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Join our conversation with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. We'll be back with more after this. An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're visiting today with uh, the Special Events Coordinator at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, Nicole Smith, uh, learning a little bit about some of the upcoming events that will take place at the museum. We've been talking, first of all, about Family Science Night, which is tonight, Thursday, uh, from 6 to 8 p.m., a great uh, way for elementary school and middle school kids to learn about different types of science. Uh, But also, uh, as we talked before the break, uh, it's a great way for uh, some of the young presenters to to kind of get their chops and, and get excited about uh, teaching others about uh, about science. Uh, Nicole, the other thing I was thinking, maybe though, uh, this could generate some uh, possible ideas for uh, science fair projects. True. Uh, it depends on what school you're at and where your season is. Some have already experienced their science fairs, which is good. But what's nice too about it, like if you've even if you've already had a science fair project. It's nice to come and see what other people are doing. And in fact, we have one of the things we do during this event is we have a table of free resources that uh, you can take back to the classroom or that parents can take back with their children. And one of them is advice on how the right way and the wrong way to help your child with a science fair project. Because I get sometimes phone calls from parents where it's pretty obvious the parent is doing the science fair project and that is the wrong way in case you're wondering that's what that's how you do it but uh but there are some guidelines on how to you can help your child without uh taking it over and so we we do provide that we have uh, i think last year we had the school for the blind come and they presented some of their science fair projects as part of family fun science night this year we have several other student presenters on just topics that have been happening in the classroom so it is nice to see that kind of thing um one thing we're doing too that's special we have a, a unique door prize for this event Okay. Anyone who comes can register to get it, and at 7.30, we're going to pull the name from the registration and announce the winner. But it's a um, solar science kit, hmm. things that you can do at home. There's also an activity booklet of different experiments that can be done in the kitchen with your mom and dad, which is kind of great. And a few devices that you would use, every scientist might use. You need a pencil to take your notes. You need a ruler, you know, to maybe take measurements, things like that that are kid-appropriate science tools. So I think it's going to be a nice prize. Someone's really going to want to win that. So 
might be worth coming out for that alone. And we did have a nice lady pop her head in here a second ago that says, if you do make slime, please do not leave it on your varnished wood surfaces because there's borax in there and it might damage your surfaces. Yeah, uh, producer Liz Gill came in and uh, mentioned that and uh, she she knows of what she speaks. Uh, she has, I think, <laughs> three children that are now a bit older, but she remembers from when they were in that uh, age that uh, that happened. And, and so a fair warning, if, enjoy the slime, but do not leave it on your, your varnished table. You might not like uh, yeah, it's the Yes, not outcome. for a prolonged period of time. Bad idea. <laughs> But the thing, I, I do like that idea of the, uh, the the guidelines for the science fair because I'm not a parent, but I can imagine anybody that's trying to help somebody do something. Uh, you, you do need to know that, you know, guidance, encouragement, but again, you don't want to do it for them. You don't want it too much because then the child isn't getting the learning uh, experience. Right. It's not your. It's not the parent science project. They're not being graded on it. Your child is. So the um, let them have the experience. And you can imagine it would be much more rewarding uh, should they win or something. You know, the more they put into it, I think, uh, the more sweat equity they put into it, I think the greater the reward would be uh, for doing it. And then possibly if, if they were to win their local science fair or something like that. I had such joy in my science fair projects when I was a kid. I, I remember them vividly. And uh, and they were completely self-directed. You know, I, I had a parent who would check in now and then, but it was my project. And that sense of accomplishment the uh, confidence that it builds, the questions you get to ask and try to find the answers of on your own, that's a blessing. You know, that's really good. And these are skills that we need in the world. You know, I like to reflect that when I create these events. If my inner 12-year-old is super happy about what I'm doing, <laughs> then I know it's going to be great. And so my inner 12-year-old's pretty happy about this event. We've got a lot to offer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We've got some open phone lines if you'd like to call in uh, a question about wildlife, maybe a brush with wildlife that you've had recently. Or, as I said, if uh, if you're a, a Museum of Natural Science visitor and would like to share what you like about going to the museum, you can give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also get in touch with us via email, animals at mpbonline.org. So another event that's coming up, I would imagine, a little bit later in the year, uh, So You Think You Can Fish. Tell yes. us about that. <laughs> so uh, the title is inspired from the dance show, So You Think You Can Dance, but fishing. And so uh, it's a fish education event. So it's an introduction to fishing for people that have never done it before. But also uh, it was developed with the fisheries part of Wildlife Fisheries and Parks. So we have two panels that are at the top of the event, part of it happening contiguously. So there's uh, introduction to casting with kids where we have uh, these synthetic fish that they're casting to, uh, to catch. We've also rigged that in such a way that it's done with fish ID. And the panels are good for people that have never fished before or that have some experience but want to get better. One of the panels is using technology to fish. And there's so much new tech out there that's very, very helpful. And so we've got a few uh, experts in the field that are coming to talk to us about that. So we're a little excited about that. Uh, we'll also have a behind-the-scenes aquarium tour. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever come to the museum and see those glorious aquariums, the unsung heroes of the museum are our aquarium staff because they have to maintenance that. It's not just a background in biology. It's a background in chemistry. It's a background in exhibit arrangement and design. 
they are real professionals. And to see what it takes to maintain those exhibits is eye-opening and inspirational. So that's definitely a part of the event you want to see. Plus, there's lots of things to make and do for the little ones. We have a fish craft, so they kind of make something where they learn fish anatomy while they're creating the fish craft, which is kind of great. And uh, we also have uh, learning how to bait live bait on a hook. So, yeah, we're going to get a little messy. (laughs) And the live bait that does not make it after that experience will be utilized to feed the fish that are at the aquarium. (laughs) So we've got we're we're very green. We're trying to use things the right way. Uh, you know, one thing, uh, and as we've talked about uh, over the years, the, the many programs that go on at the museum, and it's always uh, great to me because you, you find such a great way to mix fun with learning. And the, the casting was interesting. So it, they, when they cast, when they pull the fish out, then they have to ID what sort of fish that is? Right. So um, they're all kind of shaped like a particular they're basically shaped like crappie. But the interesting thing to me is that I got a little playful with some scissors and a poster that we have about Mississippi fishes. And we put on the back of the of the fish these images of fish. And then once they catch them, we give them an experience of using a field guide to identify the fish. So that way they're learning a little bit about how to look up information, but also uh Part of the experience is once they ID it, they have to give me a fact about the fish, about its habitat or its, you know, the time of year that it breeds or something about it. So they're learning a little more than, oh, yeah, that's a crappie. Okay, it's good to know it's a crappie. What's our next step? What's the next thing we can learn about that? Do you find them in the ocean? Do you find them in fresh water? You know, know, it's a learning experience. And there's value in knowing the world around you and getting a little more experience with that. And being, learning to be a good observer is sometimes yes. kind of difficult because, you know, a real quick look, a fish is a fish most of the time. But when you start looking for details, then you can really start right. looking them up and finding which species you've got. In your and hand. fisheries is bringing an electrofishing boat, you know, just kind of showing some of the equipment we use in our research um, at, through the department. We've also got, uh, there is a high school bass fishing club that's going to be there so it's kids that are going to be there teaching kids which you know there's value in that so there's a lot of great things happening at at this event uh it's it's been a real group effort lots of people have come together to create it uh, but again, um, it's primarily for kids, but you, it sounds like adults that are fishermen or are interested in fishing, yes. something for them as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I know I emphasize the kid part because that's kind of the part I'm largely involved with. But uh, Fisheries came up with the panels this year and uh, and with the help of one of the museum educators. And so uh, the intro to fishing part, I think, is going to be very interesting for people that never have fish. But I think the technology panel that's going to happen during the event is going to be very interesting for experienced adults to learn how they can up their game. And so so you think in fish, uh, give us the details on, on when it takes place. Sure. So that one's going to be February the 3rd. That's a Saturday. And it's going to go on from 10 a.m. until 1 p.m. Okay. And, you know, um, again, the park that I, I walk in has a, a fishing rodeo every year. And it's it. this is a really a great family thing because it's funny to me. It's fun to see when, the, you know, it's primarily for the kids again, but they bring out the whole family. And so... You know, what a great way to enjoy the outdoors and, and some really bonding time between, you know, parents and kids. So uh, fishing is, 
I don't really like to fish, but I know a lot of people do, and it's a it's a great way to uh, to have some family and time. I think together. wildlife fisheries and parks is involved in that one too at the park. Yeah, yeah. Mostly I think that is that are, catfishing yeah. kids. Is that what you're yeah. thinking of? That and one? Ryan Jones is going to be on the show February the first, so we'll get some more details. He's a fisheries biologist that will also be involved. Yes, and, and this, he's on the panel. So he's on one he of the panels fish. for yes. that event. Yes, yeah. so he can tell us a little bit about. What and because it while it is a great kid thing, this is you know the one day of the year that we also have a lot of adult males in the museum <laughs> because mm-hmm. there's a lot of good information that that the, that and fossil roadshow I think that's probably yeah, the most intergenerational true. of all of our events mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. All right, so that's so you think you can fish and it's Saturday, February third from ten to one at the museum. Um, Nicole, the other thing that uh, is exciting is that you have, I think, another one of the the traveling exhibits uh, on the horizon. If you could, uh, I know it's uh, still not ready for the public yet, but give us a little preview of that, if you would. So we have a new exhibit coming. It will be arriving soon, and it will be open to the public at the very end of January called Conservation Quest. And Conservation Quest is a playful way at looking at making greener choices, So there's recycling games, there's um, hands-on activities to kind of learn a little bit more about how power is used in the house and just making better choices with how we use power. Like, should you really have the heat on in your house at 70 in this cold weather or can you drop it down to like 65 and what would that do to your temperature, you know, your overall power bill, Mm -hmm. things like that. that doesn't really sound super exciting, but it is, you know, the way they've got it engaged in the exhibit. And so we're looking forward to it. We're having a little bit of fun. Some of the staff are making outfits out of post-consumer materials oh, wow. to use at certain points during uh, during the exhibit. Uh, and, it's, and Keep the Res Beautiful has been helping a little bit with that. So you'll see more about that later. Uh, but it's it's fun. We're calling it a trash and show. Um, <laughs> that's going to be for the member premiere night. But we're probably going to use those out- outfits at different times during the exhibit just to kind of talk about waste that's out there and how how we can make less of it. All right. And Saturday, January 26th is the first day that exhibit's up. Yes. So. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here in a minute, but Nicole, again, uh, maybe to, to wrap things up, you're always looking, I guess, for volunteers. If it, maybe a high school kid, young adult, older adults, how can someone get involved in helping out at the museum? Absolutely. So we have a wonderful volunteer coordinator, Ann Taylor, and you would call the museum and ask to speak with her, or you can go on our website and look for the volunteer application forums. They have them for High school students, um, they have them, youth, you know, youth volunteers. They also have them for adults. There's different applications. There is a background check, and there, you know, it is a job interview effectively. Um, and the reason we don't pay you isn't because you aren't worth it. It's just because you're priceless. <laughs> All right. Very good. As I mentioned, let's uh, take that break. Uh, before the end of the hour, we're going to be talking with Alicia Crudup, the CEO of Keep Jackson Beautiful, about an event coming up uh, with that organization. You're listening to Preacher Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Still time for you to join in with a question or a comment at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 7464 Back with more after this. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio.
Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're visiting today with Nicole Smith, who is the special events coordinator at the museum. We've been talking about some upcoming exhibits at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Uh, fun for the whole family. Again, the, the mission, I think, of the museum is to teach uh, folks about science, but also have fun doing it. So we've talked about Family Science Night, which is tonight from 6 to 8 p.m. It's free if you're a museum member. If not, it's the regular admission price. And um, there was, was there one other thing you wanted to mention? I, uh, but there's going to be lots of things to do. Uh, you mentioned a food truck to be there, mm-hmm. uh, some a drawing for a great uh, door prize, um, high school students there as some of the presenters. Um, are we missing anything? I think the... You know, there's there's so many different exhibitors. It, it's better just to come and see what we've got because I, I we don't even have time in the show to talk about all the things that are going on. But every you got you want robots? We got robots. You want to make slime? We got slime. You want to see some aquatic creatures? We can hook you up. You know, this is the place where you want to come. And uh, so whether you have a budding biologist on on hand who really wants to learn more about reptiles, or you have that child that really is fascinated by chemistry. Uh, maybe saw um, some um, some Mr. Wizard program back in the day, and it's like, man, I want to do that. We can hook you up. And I think this was the one you <laughs> said. Uh, one of the things that I w- thought was a lot of fun was this is where you're having the liquid nitrogen. Yes, Heinz Community College is coming out and doing the liquid nitrogen demos, and they're pretty exciting. And we're and we're very safe. Liquid nitrogen is a very cold substance mm. so we are taking all the proper safety precautions while still having the fin there it's safe to eat the frozen marshmallow oh absolutely yeah just don't drink the liquid nitrogen but you can have because <laughs> yeah. that would be like super bad <laughs> but yeah the marshmallows are fun it will it'll well, look the, like dragon kids are not gonna, there's no way they're going to have access to that liquid nitrogen. no they're one of my favorites <laughs> is uh, when they dip the banana in the liquid nitrogen and then use to hammer in a nail so it, yeah. uh, it really is interesting and i i remember there was an old show on public television, Julius Sumner Miller was this uh, was the guy, and he he used to love li- liquid nitrogen. So he he we used to watch those in in high school physics class. It was, and it, he, I think he was a German background or something. But he was an old guy that was just you know really excited about science. And so, but uh, yeah, he used to love the uh, the liquid nitrogen. It's an excellent way to talk about states of matter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a great way to do it because you can do solid, liquid, gas, at least those three states, three of the five, and, and have some discussion about how things change uh, with the rigidity that can come with deep cold and how that removes energy from a system. So it's it's fascinating. And the other event we uh, talked a little bit about was So You Think It Can Fish coming up on Saturday, February 3rd from 10 to 1 at the museum. And uh, you had mentioned a behind-the-scenes uh, tour of the aquarium um, and, you know, that's to me one of my favorite parts of the museum. For folks that might not be too familiar with it, if you could maybe give us a, kind of a general idea of the different aquariums in, in the museum. One of the great things about the museum is that every ecoregion is represented. And as you walk through the building, you really are walking through the state of Mississippi. So every aquarium represents the different waterways that you would expect to find in the state. You know, it starts with the Mississippi Sound, which is one of our larger tanks. And so in that, you are really going to find the wildlife, the aquatic life that you would expect to find in in Mississippi's true sound. And as you kind of walk on, you know, down the hall, you're going to see um, blackwater streams. You're going to see the Mississippi River represented. You're going to see the Pearl. 
And I love that. That and there's such diversity going from like fresh water to brackish water to uh, something much more uh, saline. You're going to see all these changes in life that are really worth noting. And and the signage is good. They've done some updates to the signage so you can really see what's happening. Um, our tanks are lovely. It's just it's quite an eye-opening experience to think that this is all in your state. And as a state agency, what a blessing because if you're paying taxes, this means that this is yours, that you get to come and see this place. So I think it's uh, it's such an eye-opening experience for people. I, I have folks from out of country that will stop to the museum and say, we had no idea that this was in Mississippi. And you know, you talked about the the, the care of the of the aquarium, and it's uh, and involves a number of different types of sciences. But to me, one of the great things is the way I don't know if set dressing is the proper term. That's what we would call it in TV. But you know, they really have designed the tanks to give you a real feel for not only the fish that are there, but what that environment really looks like. Yeah, absolutely. I think the one that hit me the most when I first started working there was the farm pond. Which I know that sounds weird, but I was a farm kid. So I was looking at that. I'm like, that really looks like a bulldozer dug that out. The, <laughs> the way they had, uh, you know, presented it. So it looked like, you know, it had been dug and, and then, you know, the, it had been stocked with fish. And I'm like, that looks just like our pond at home. You know, I could just really relate to that. And uh, and since I was new to Mississippi, you know, the pearl particularly kind of caught my attention as well. And then later on, I would go and, you know, take a, a hike down there to look at the pearl and then, you know, kayak on it on other times. And and so it really does very accurately represent what you see in the state. You know, one of the coolest things at the aquariums is being able to watch the fish eat. Because yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can have fished all your life and it's still not the same as being able to stand there by the glass and watch those fish eat. Yeah, and I love the diver when we have the diver down and they're feeding the mm-hmm. fish. Those are special anytime you get to see that. And, oh, yeah, we are going to have a diver at Family Fun Science Night, so that's part of it, too. All right. Uh, we also talked a little bit about the upcoming uh, traveling exhibit, and I'm wondering, uh, do they have, like, uh, trade shows that you go to where the the people that put those those big exhibits on kind of, you know, this is a sample and you get to pick and choose which ones you think work best for, for Mississippi? I can't reveal my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's listening to this. They're going to steal my secrets. Uh, no, uh, it's... It will actually at AAM, a little bit, and as yeah. you see, they do have those exhibits, yeah, yeah. A little yeah. bit, yeah, and there's also, there's companies that make traveling exhibits, and some some of them have really great websites where you can do some virtual tours and check things out. Um, there's some lovely things out there. There's a few that, you know, I, when I find them, I show them to the bosses, and I'm like, this please, can we have this? This would be great. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff out there, and I there's just we just need time to get them all there and sponsors to help get us there. Yeah, it's a, you can imagine the kind of scheduling difficulties when you hear about a great exhibit at another museum and you start calling around. It's like okay, it's going to be here, 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 and because they're on tour and usually there's one copy. Some of the exhibits there'll be two or three copies and then you can. Like Titanic, didn't Titanic have three yeah. or four different versions? And finally, Sue, even, you know, the film museum put together two different Sue exhibits. So that, but they kept one international and one national that was that popular. And we got to have Sue. And that's when I interviewed when Sue was there. Oh, was it? Yeah, oh, so good. she kind of marks a, land, a landmark in my uh-huh. life there. Yeah. And I will never forget. <laughs> 
we know exactly when Sue was there because it was her, her last two weeks was when Katrina hit. So mm. the last two weeks of Sue were kind of abbreviated. Otherwise, it would have been incredible attendance because it was already really big. But so we made it free there for several days after Katrina. If you could get here, you could see Sue. And that's the other good thing about this is we mentioned this one starts up in late January, uh, but it's here for a while, so it's it's an opportunity to, to go to it maybe a couple of times if you would like to. And then always you can go for the special exhibit, the, but the great stuff that the museum has is open year-round and available anytime you go to the museum. Yeah, Conservation Quest will be here from uh, the very end of January until the very end of April. And then we'll have our new summer exhibit coming after that. And uh, we'll be telling, we'll be announcing that later. We want that one to be a surprise because it really is very exciting. So the official announcement will come out on that one pretty soon. Okay. Also, we talked a little bit about uh, volunteer opportunities. And I'm thinking, you know, especially uh, maybe for um, high school, college kids, um, it, it seems like it would be a good thing to put on a resume. Uh, what are what are some of the things that you have uh, interns and volunteers do at the museum? If you think of a museum as a village, and there are many different things that are needed for a village to thrive, you can think of the museum as a microcosm of that village. So everything from, yes, we're going to feed the birds at the bird feeders at the uh, viewing and watch area, something simple like that, to something super glamorous like, hey, we're going to clean out some snake cages because I know you want to clean up some snake poop because it's been your lifelong dream. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and then maybe we have a lovely intern who's starting today and uh, we've given her a very specific task to help create sashes for a, um, a competition that we'll be holding at the museum out of recycled materials. <laughs> So it just it, it varies, and that's one of the fun things about it. Whether you work there or you're a volunteer there, it's never the same thing twice. It's always uh, something that keeps you on your feet. And um, if your thing is stuffing envelopes, we can help you. We, we've got a job for you. Like if you want to greet people, we'd love to have greeters. Like sometimes we have volunteers whose uh, purpose is just to be there for an event. Then we have some that come in every week you know we have a few that work in volunteer in the paleo lab you know and there is a screening process for it because just because you want to work with snakes doesn't mean necessarily that you you're ready for that you know you kind of have to work your way up to something like that um because i have a lot of 13 year olds are like i love animals that's why i want to be here and i'm like we love that about you that's why we want you here too but you know what we need today is we're going to be making slime today (laughs) it's it's a a variety but it also sounds like uh the the regular workers at the museum really get involved and and have a lot of fun with these events as well we do they are a lot of work you know uh i don't want to give the illusion that we play all the time but it does sort of sometimes feel like that uh but it is a lot of work and they are wonderful like we are all involved it is a small group of people that work there and they all come together to make it happen even some of our research scientists like jump in and help when a new exhibit arrives and like you know helps make that you know get in place uh it's amazing how the team comes together all right. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the museum and sometimes I neglect to remind people that might be unfamiliar with it, uh, the location and how someone would get in touch and, and learn more about the museum. Great. So we're on um, off of Lakeland. And 
if you're very familiar where the Children's Museum is, we're neighbors. We're right next door to them. We've been around a long time, I think, at this particular site around 2000. Is that right, Libby? Do I have that right? Yeah, 2000? March of 2000 is when March we of 2000. And um, it's not too far from St. Dominic's Hospital. So, it, But if you want to put it in your Google Maps, 2148 Riverside Drive, that'll get you right there. Uh, you can look us up on online. Uh, Just look up Mississippi Museum of Natural Science in your Google and we'll pop right up, mdwfp.com, if you're really good with the alphabet and ready to jump on that. And it's always a good idea to follow us on Facebook. We're pretty regular about keeping that updated. Anytime there's a new event, a special opportunity, a summer camp, anything that you can register for, all that info is going to be there. All right. And uh, I mentioned this uh, last week. The last time I drove by, there was this big... Uh, thing on the on the fence that you uh, an award from the is it the southeastern regional tourism? Yeah, tell us a little bit about that if you would. Um, I want to say was that twenty sixteen or was that twenty? I'm sorry, I was not part of that. I, I do know that we got one. I think in twenty sixteen, maybe twenty seventeen too. And you have there's a series of protocols that you have to uh, meet to get that. But it's it's prestigious, and it means that we have a lot of visitors, basically. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a 2017 because we saw press release. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's uh, take a final break this hour. When we get back, we'll wrap things up on Creature Comforts. Still time for you to call in if you'd like to at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 We'll be back to wrap up the program after this. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Uh, We'd like to thank Nicole Smith, the Special Events Coordinator at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, for being our guest today. She had to leave uh, just a little bit early. But again, to review what we were talking about, the two uh, fun events coming up at the museum, Family Science Night is tonight, Thursday, January 18th, from 6 to 8 p.m. Lots going on there, a lot of uh, presenters there with uh, interesting exhibits. She talked about uh, there's a robotics exhibit. There's a, information for parents uh, to help their kids with science fair projects. They're going to make slime that we reminded folks to keep off of your varnished table. Um, lots of stuff going on there, a food truck as well. Uh, it's going on at the museum tonight from 6 to 8, uh, and it is free if you are a museum member. If not, regular admission uh, is uh, for the museum. And then also on uh, Saturday, February 3rd, it's So You Think You Can Fish. It's a chance for kids to learn about fishing, for adults uh, maybe that have never been fishing before but want to learn more about it, but also a panel about uh, new technology in fishing uh, that uh, even the experienced fishermen uh, will enjoy listening to. So two big events coming up at the museum, but again, we talked about some of the things that are there year-round, uh, the the aquariums uh, and the other things, so always an interesting visit at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. So, uh, Libby, we had tried to get on the air uh, Alicia Crudup, the CEO of Keep Jackson Beautiful. She's a little bit tied up, but we do want to talk a little bit about an event coming up this Saturday. Uh, it's uh, the, the Keep Jackson Beautiful is sponsoring the Wild and Scenic Film Festival that features films about different aspects of environmental activism. And I think, did you mention that uh, you've been, been to this uh, film festival before? Many, many years ago. Well, how many? I think 14 years ago, maybe 12 uh, 
we had some of the films came to the Natural Science Museum okay. through this film festival, but it's a it's an in, a national, maybe even international, and so it's a really it's a big deal that Jackson's on the list, and there are a few seats left. Alicia says so. You need to get online. Wild and scenic. Uh, film festival Jackson, Mississippi is what got me there, and okay. you can just click on there. You, guess what? You, you have to reserve a seat, but you don't have to buy it because right. they're free tickets. Right. Although they would love for you to join Keep Jackson Beautiful, and it's a good organization and, and definitely worth joining. And you get a chance, I think, for some prizes or different things if you join. And you get to meet a special guest that's going to be at the film festival if you join. All right. And if you're in the neighborhood, if you're down close to the planetarium on Saturday afternoon, I think it's from 1 to is it one to 7? Uh, doors open at 12, show starts at 1, but with a number of movies, you, you're right, it's probably going to be going on uh, yeah, pretty much all anyway, afternoon on Saturday. It, it wouldn't hurt to go and see if, they, if they've got an empty seat. I'm sure they'll let you go on in. They're just trying to get a head count. I'm sure that's the deal. So don't let having to have reservations keep you from trying if you just happen to be down there and want to try. But right, it is the Wild and Scenic Film Festival, known as the Next Sundance, one of the largest environmental mm-hmm. film festivals in North America, and it will be at the Russell C. Davis Planetarium in Jackson this Saturday, uh, beginning at 1. As Libby mentioned, admission is free, uh, but uh, you need a ticket just so they can sort of uh, monitor the crowds. Uh, we've they're, got... they're screening 11 films, so okay. also if you need to come and go kind of a deal. If you, if you can't get there... At one, but you can get there at three. Uh, give it a try and see if you can catch some films. All right, and we've got a little bit of information on a couple of the films, but we do have some callers on the line as well. So we begin uh, in Calhoun County. Dudley has called in today. Good morning, Dudley. Go ahead, please. Good morning. I just wanted to thank you very much for such a wonderful, informative, educational, and everything show this morning and i i wish and hope that every student who's out on a snow day in north mississippi has listened to this because your rural students many times are not as familiar with things as, as you, you do in your your larger cities or especially your larger towns but thank you again this is one of my favorite shows all right. Thank you, Dudley. Thanks for the call, Dudley. Glad to know you're out there listening. Good to hear from you. And I, you know, we, we uh, didn't mention it, but you know, we're we're I think our tenth anniversary uh, on the air. And Libby, I know you you've been on the show from the very beginning, and so we certainly thank you for all you've done for the show, Doctor Major, as well. And it's interesting. I think a, a a couple of us were a little skeptical about it. Like a show about wildlife and pets. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. But it's been. A real successful show, one of, one of my favorite shows to be a part of. We have a lot of fun on here. And, uh, you know, I think uh, one of the things I think that talks a little bit about the oh, popularity great. of a show is uh, the fact that we have some regular callers that we like to hear. However, uh, we want to get on the line Alicia Crudup, uh, the CEO of uh, Keep uh, Jackson Beautiful. Alicia, thanks for taking some time, a few minutes to enjoy us. So if you could, let us know about the Wild and Scenic Film Festival. Hey, Alicia. Yes. <laughs> hey, how are you all doing Good. today? Good. Um, yes, well, Keith Jackson Beautiful, this is our first time and Mississippi's first time having the Wild and Scenic Film Festival um, be, this, um, be hosted in Mississippi. So um, it's a, it's going to be an annual benefit for Keith Jackson Beautiful. It's a membership drive for us, and we are showing 11 films, and it's set to inspire all Mississippians to be the environmental change in their community. So we're hoping that we can spark some 
interest, some conversation, some dialogue around how we need to view ourselves inside of our environment and how to take care of that. All right. I've uh, got a couple of minutes. If you could maybe tell us about a couple of uh, films. The first one, Can yeah. You Dig This? Uh, let us know yes. about that. Can You Dig This is our feature film. It's about a gardener, Mr. Ron Finley, out of South Los Angeles. He decided to take it into his own hands and plant um, fruits and vegetables in the city right away. And the city kind of got upset, and he made a movement out of it. And he would actually be in Jackson with us at the film festival to talk about what he's doing and how we can do what he's doing the right way in Jackson. So it's going to be a great film. John Legend um, produced it, and it's an awesome film. I've seen it before, and it's so it's very inspiring, and it makes you want to do something and change something in your community. And now, Alicia, he's the one, if we join Keep Jackson Beautiful, you get to have a little time meeting Ron, right? Yes, yes, yep. yes, Ron. Um, and it's, it's, it's a, a major pool for our organization. So the film festival is free. You can see all 11 films for free, but in order to be in the dialogue with him, we want you to be a member of Keep Jackson Beautiful. And that way we can um, help fund the programs that we have, like our Equal Ambassadors program is brand new this geared towards the youth because we want them to be the change in their environment. Our Linda Bend program, our Great American Cleanup, as well as our Jackson Community Garden Initiative. And not run, he's going to be taking a tour of some of our gardens before the film film. All right. Alicia, thanks for joining us. Glad you could uh, work you. us in here at the very end. Again, it's uh, this Saturday at the Russell C. Davis Planetarium in Jackson, uh, a great film festival about uh, environmental issues. Creature Conference is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funding provided in part by Wildlife Mississippi, a statewide organization celebrating more than 20 years of conserving Mississippi's lands, waters, and wildlife, and from contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener is Michelle McAdoo. So for Libby Hartfield and our guests Nicole Smith and Alicia Crudup, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's MPB's Season Pass. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Conference only on MPB Think Radio.